When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tierney, oh, le grand pont pour oh, éliminer Furlong. Qu'est-ce qu'il lui a fait là Qu'est-ce qu'il lui fait qui rate Tierney c'est quoi ça Il vient souhaiter une très bonne année aux supporters d'Arsenal Kieran Tierney, quel rush Magnifique 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 Kieran Tierney Kieran Tierney Magnifique This is Arscast Extra, episode 500. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, 500 goodly mornings to you. Wow, 500 goodly mornings to you too. Let's hope this goes a bit better than Arsene Wenger's 500th game. Oh God, what was that? Was that... Chelsea away, I seem to recall. The old Kieran Gibbs, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Oh yes, yeah, that wasn't good. I, no. Yeah, I hope, you know, this podcast is marginally better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah, Ask Us Extra, episode one, January 2014. Uh, wow. Google tells me. And you know what happened in 2014? Go on. We, we ended the trophy drought. Now, I'm not saying <laughs> that we deserve all the credit but some of it, I think, you know, you have to put it down. Something comes into the world. It changes the fortunes of a football team. And, uh, yeah, I think four it FA Cups. incidents, can it? I don't think so. I don't think so. The law of averages suggested that Arsenal will probably win a, a trophy again at some point. But I think we just expedited that, um, that success. We were the catalyst, Adam. We were the catalyst for change. The long-talked-about catalyst for change was, in (laughs) fact, two men on a podcast. Um, Interesting in that little clip in the opening to hear me extolling the virtues of not just Mikel Arteta, the player, but also Mathieu Flamini. Well, that's it. I mean, going back to episode one, let's just play the opening of episode one here, and I'll ask you for your thoughts on it uh, after we hear this. This was the very first Arsecast Extra back on that August date that James mentioned that I have completely forgotten since. So here it is. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Envío al área, el remate. Ahí está el primer tanto del partido. No lo celebra, por supuesto. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to the very first Arscast Extra with me and co-host James from Gunnerblog. Hello. 
Hello there. We should point out that this indeed is an Arscast Extra and not an Arscast Extra for uh, copyright reasons. It's important to put that out there. Legal threats all over the place. Uh, This uh, is an idea that has come to us very recently, so it's not the most organised podcast you'll ever hear, but over the coming weeks, hopefully it will take shape. What we're going to do is do this every Monday, look at what happened over the weekend, perhaps look ahead to what's happening during the week, and take questions from readers and uh, listeners on Twitter. And we'll do that. Um, So, you know, we should have plenty to talk about today. Starting with Coventry in the FA Cup. Relatively routine, you would say, but uh, they had some moments in the second half. Yeah, they did. And I think, uh, you know, we saw what an Arsenal midfield without one of... Mikel Arteta or Mathieu Flamini looks like, you know, mm. uh, because they were really getting at us, particularly on the flanks, I thought. Um, and I, something that I really like about Flamini is when you, when you look at the actual tackles that he makes throughout the game, a lot of them are covering the fullbacks. Uh, and I just thought that without that, we looked a little bit exposed. But there's also a strong psychological element, do you think? I mean, basically, the game was won after half an hour. And I think that a little bit, they sort of switched off as it yeah. were so what what occurs to you when you listen to that now what's the thing that stands out most well as i said mainly uh how useful i and how enthused i seem to be about Matthew flamini um <laughs> which you know perhaps because of his contribution towards the end of his time with arsenal may have faded somewhat um i think i remember that game arsenal coventry i think it would have been in the league cup maybe right um but yeah, beyond that, I don't know really. I mean, I do think sound quality must stand out to you. I don't think it's yeah. quite what it is these days. That's true. That is true. And I do remember we've done about um, 20 odd episodes. And I can't remember who it was that got in touch with me to this, you know, now because it's so long ago. He basically, I think we were using Skype. Mm-hmm. And things like Zencaster and that weren't invented yet. Um but he recommended this service to me called IPDTL, which we used yeah. to use, which we haven't used for a little while because um, I've, you know, I fucked something up at my end. I can't fix it. <laughs> Basically, is the reason why now we use Zencaster. But he said you've got to use this because Skype, you know, when you're sending packets, they go all around the world and blah blah blah, and that's why you get that kind of delay or those echoes and bits and bobs that you get on Skype calls or you used to get on Skype calls. Um, but IPDTL is basically peer-to-peer is like a digital version of ISDN, um, sort of, a, you know, technology used um, for, you know, recording studios and things like that. So we use that for a long time. So, yeah, the sound quality obviously is completely different now. You've got better microphone at your end. I've got, I think, maybe the same microphone. There thereabouts, the same microphone or something similar anyway. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that stood out to me was like, it was straight into the football. There was no, like, nonsense, no messing well, yeah. around. Yeah. The podcast was only 32 minutes long, I believe, episode one. Wow. Yeah. So we've really, I mean, we've really learned to waffle um, and <laughs> drag this thing out. Fit it in with all kinds of small talk, for better and worse. I, but Go on. I, I, no, I also think it was incredibly... Uh, I mean, I think we've read it before on here, but it was completely, uh, we just sort of said, shall we do a podcast kind of thing? Yeah. And then we did it. That that was was it. That was it. Yeah. I mean, there was no, 
strategic planning. We didn't have a, a war room or a workshop or anything like that. We just said, okay, let's do it and see what happens. And here we are, 500 episodes later. I'm going to play the, the outro to this episode. Um, you can hear the final couple of minutes of it, and I'll ask you again what you, what you think of those. So here's, here's the outro bit. That is the first Arscast Extra. Uh, James, thank you very much. Hey, no problem. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. If you did, uh, feedback, of course, is very welcome on Twitter at GunnerBlog at ArsBlog, or you can email the ArsBlog at ArsBlog.com, but nothing mean or yeah, nasty because, stuff. yeah, life is too short. We don't want to be dealing with, with stuff you don't like. Uh, but uh, please do get in touch if you if you do have any suggestions or feedback. So until the next ArsCast Extra, take it easy. Cheers. Bye. Okay, so what... What sort of strikes you from the outro there? Well, I've got the bye-bye all wrong. You certainly have. I mean... It's a solitary bye, isn't it? It I is. Think. It's a... Bye. Bye. It's... It, I don't know why. It just puts me in mind a little bit of of Alan Partridge. Bye. <laughs> Can you hear it? Bye. He wouldn't be the first. Uh, <laughs> there is something in that. But, yeah, I... I, I yeah, I mean, obviously, I just wasn't aware yet of all the mm. branding opportunities that would exist around saying goodly morning and bye-bye. <laughs> um, we were so naive, Andrew. We were. We were. Just young men, and now we're... I don't think we were young. You were young, probably. I wasn't I was quite. probably quite young. When, yeah. when was that? January 2014? Mm. So I was in my mid-20s. Oh, my How God. How many years ago is that? That's uh, eight years ago. Is it? Yeah, so I was like 28, no. something like that. No, is it? I can't count. Six and 20, 20 late, yeah. Let's say mid to late 20s. Oh, my goodness. It? I know. We had the world at our feet. And hair on our heads. But, uh, yes. I, 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 it's okay, well, if this uh, sounds like uh, slightly weird and abrupt uh, after the little sound effect I've played, it's because... It has gone as wrong as Arsene Wenger's 500th game. Incredible. It, it, the 500th thing, when it comes to Arsenal, is cursed. Yes. So just to give people a quick update on what happened, we were recording as normal, chatting away as normal, and then sort of my audio dropped out. And then nothing would work at my end. My audio setup was completely banjaxed, and I thought... Um, well, I got a new mixer. I got a, a brand new mixer recently, and I've been very happy with it. And I figured, well, it must be the mixer. The mixer must be the issue. And I've put in my old mixer, but the same kind of problem remains. And I have different USB interfaces here for audio and things like that. I've tried a couple of different ones. I just don't have any idea what happened or explanation as to why it happened. And we hopefully have um, fi yeah, figured out a little bit of a solution to get us going again, but it's not normal. It doesn't feel normal. It feels weird and strange. And I don't like change. And I really don't like when things don't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I shouldn't have mentioned the Arsenal Mega game because I've carried its jinx with us. Somehow. Well, but I guess that's what we get for bringing FA Cups to Arsenal. Exactly. It seems like a fair trade. By the way, in that intervening mm. half hour, whatever it was, we, I was able to find that original email that you sent me, okay. um, which is worth reading again. January the 10th, 2014. Hey, man, 
This is from you to me. Okay. Hey, man, I know you're away or something, but when you get back, would be good to have a chat. Was thinking about another podcast, perhaps something we could co-host, maybe take reader questions via Twitter, some calls, etc. Might work best immediately after matches, etc. But there's definitely a gap in the market for something more up to date. Wow. Visionary. Wow. And a lot of et cetera's in there as well. A lot Do- of et cetera's. Doing some heavy yeah. lifting in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that keeps the email brief. I appreciated it. And basically, I said something like, yeah, that's fine. That sounds like a good <laughs> idea. And within a couple of weeks, the Ask Cast Extra was born. I think we discussed this. There's an episode of the Ask Cast Extra, um, which is titled something like Gunner Blog Interviews Ask Blog or that, something like that. That's right. We did that one during lockdown, I think. Yeah, and people quite enjoyed it. And we talked a lot about the behind-the-scenes aspect of the podcast on that. Yeah, so if you haven't heard that one, you can find it in the podcast archives. Mm. Uh, it's on YouTube as well. It is. I'll see if I can find a link and maybe put that in the in the show notes. I'm, I'm flustered now. I'm all a fluster. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say next, what I was going to do next, how we were going to carry on this particular episode. Um. I thought maybe we'd do some questions during both parts, but um, I had a clear idea before everything went wrong. Yeah, and it's just, what, evaporated? Yeah, everything's gone. My brain is fucking empty now. Imagine if this is the end of the podcast. Imagine if it's like, well, remember during the 500th one, they had that technical hitch, and in a way, it never recovered, you know? (laughs) The magic was 500 and out. Not bad. You Not know. a bad innings. To they had all those T-shirts printed with 500 on. How embarrassing <laughs> for them. It all went wrong. This, this, this podcast will never actually come out. It will end on 499. How fitting. 499, 499, undefeated. <laughs> 499, 499, I say. Oh. Um, no, don't worry, Andrew. It'll be fine. I've just been watching the end of Costa Rica, Japan. Who won? I haven't even... Like, my plan was get everything set up. We can do the... You know, we start at 11. I'll watch the second half. Well, I won't watch the second half. I can stream the second half on my uh, computer here while we're recording. But, you know, I just spent the last half an hour playing around with cables and wires and USB connections and all kinds of things. And um, I've got no concept as to what's going on. So fill me in on the excitement. And now you're going to have to concentrate on the podcast. A real blow. I know. But... Um, Japan have lost 1-0 Get Costa Rica. the fuck out of here. Yeah, they were pushing to win it. Not pushing very hard, admittedly. And Costa Rica went up the other end, 10 minutes to go, scored a goal out of nothing. I think it may have been their first shot on target in the game. Yes, their first and only. Wow. And they take the win. And it's a terrible result for Japan, who would have effectively, I think, been qualified had they won today, having beaten Germany. And it actually gives Germany a real chance of getting through the group now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they could Germany could lose today to Spain and still go through, actually. That's mad. Did, did Tomiyasu play or feature for no, Japan? No, he didn't feature at all. Right. And that's kind of interesting because, obviously, he came on at half-time in the Germany game, mm. um, which I actually didn't see live, but I gather he did well once he came on. Takuma Asano, of course, Arsenal yeah. icon with the winning goal. Legend. And 
he did appear to pick up a knock, I think, Tomiyasu, during the game. And then afterwards he said, oh, no, I was just time-wasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But didn't start today, didn't come off the bench. Um, given his recent history of injury problems, mm. I would suggest that's uh, a little bit alarming. Or, or maybe not, depending on how you look at it. I mean, maybe people would rather he was, you know spared the playing time but uh i think uh, an injury setback would be bad news there's been no confirmation at this point in time but given his quality were he fit you would have expected him to play some part yeah i was a little bit worried about that as well because um i think japan had used all five substitutes so when i saw him go down i was like uh this is not good, but the fact he stayed on might have just been to do with having, you know, 11 players on the pitch and keeping 11 players on the pitch as much as the time wasting or taking the, the flow out of the game, like he said. And, you know, he did pick up an injury. What was it, two weeks or three weeks before before yeah. the World Cup? Um, so, yeah, chances are he could be struggling with, with a bit of injury there. So that's a surprising result, though, because, you know, I did watch the Costa Rica-Spain game the other day, and as good as Spain were, I thought Costa Rica were genuinely really poor. Um, Kaylor Navas in goal had a nightmare game as well. So yeah, I that's mean, a big result the for them. Yeah, goalkeeper will want to see the Costa Rica winning goal too many times. Oh, really? Of his line and... Gets a hand to it, but can't uh, keep it out. I'm going to have but, a look for the goal here. Yeah. Um, but it's still a, a hell of a result for Costa Rica, for whom Joel Campbell played. Yeah. Um, Number 12. I'm, lo I'm looking at him here now. Um, in the build-up to the goal, he's involved. Of course he is. Ooh, ooh, here we go. Here's a sh no. Oh, that is very, your mate has to go in goal because the goalkeeper didn't turn up goalkeeping, isn't it? <laughs> it is a bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's a decent finish, but I think the goalkeeper's positioning isn't great. You know, he gets there, but I think he's just too far off his line. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, goal out of nothing, Costa Rica win the game. Wow, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Even during the match, I mean, they were playing with so little ambition. Mm. I think there was a decent case to be made that they'd been, you know, for their first match and the first 80 minutes of this one, perhaps the least impressive team in the tournament. Um, so that's a real disaster for Japan, who now obviously have to play Spain, um, needing a result. It is quite good in the sense that the groups are are competitive, you know? When you look yeah. at the England group, for example, when you look at the um, the other groups, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I sound like I know what I'm talking about here, don't I? But I think I prefer, you know, where you go into the final group games where there's a chance anything could happen and all four teams could qualify. No, France yeah. would qualify, but, you know, from a neutral perspective, which I very much am in terms of this tournament from a football point of view anyway, you know, the fact that everything is on those last games makes it more interesting. No, I think you're right. I mean, if you look at Group A, you've got um, Netherlands and Ecuador on four points, Senegal on three, obviously Qatar are out, but very tight between the others. The England group you mentioned, lot to play for there. Um, group C is tight, obviously, because of Argentina having that shock result. So you've got Argentina and Saudi on three points, Poland on four, mm. Mexico on one, you know, still in it. So 
it's it's the France group really that you know they've gone through and they're in a strong position there. But it, it is relatively tight um, going into these final group games, and those of course are played simultaneously, so they could yeah. be quite dramatic. Let me ask you, as an England fan, yeah. what did you make of the the game the other night? I mean, I get that there is a you know, there's a positive spin you can put on it from the point of view that, you know, it's group stage, a draw is not a bad result. They won the opening game very handsomely. It's in their hands. They're still top of the group, et cetera, et cetera. But what did you make of England's performance against the USA? What did you make of the U- uh, USA's performance against England, for that matter? Uh, I thought America quitted themselves pretty well. And I think my sense is that you know, as a kind of footballing nation and a footballing administration, there is that desire to be taken more seriously at international level. Mm. I think this tournament for them is a lot about 2026. It's such a young group and a young squad, but I thought they were very organised, very athletic. I thought they defended really well. I thought Tyler Adams was excellent in the midfield for them, probably... uh, probably the man of the match, to be honest with you. Isn't he um, a player that we have been linked yeah, with? Linked I seem with, to remember we, you writing about him. Yeah, when he was in Germany um, with Leipzig, he was a player Arsenal looked at very closely, both mm. as a right-back and a holding midfield player. He's obviously gone to Leeds since then and um, has done okay, but I thought he, he was very good against England. Um, I thought England were, you know, uninspiring mm. and I think there are questions rightly so about you know team selection I think the fact that Phil Foden didn't get off the bench is pretty extraordinary even if Kaio Saka is one of the players seemingly ahead of him in the pecking order you know when I do look at that group you have to think Foden really ought to be in there The, the, the sort of caveat I would have to it all is that it's not a disastrous result by any means for England and they're still in a very strong position in the group. I, I remember the Euros where, you know, this has been said by many people, but they got to the final and the second group game they drew with Scotland and it was a dreadful game mm. and a pretty poor performance. Um, but I think Southgate is just sort of leaning into his tournament experience a bit there and, you know, I think had he needed to go out for, all out for a win, he might have done, but didn't feel the need. But it wasn't, fun to watch. I thought Matt Turner did pretty well though for America. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, I only saw the second half because I was uh, playing football on Friday and I listened to like the first 15 minutes of the the second half on the radio coming home and um, I think by the time I got home, a little bit of the pressure that the USA were putting on England, there was a series of corners that sounded sounded exciting, um, if that's the right word. Uh, you know, on the radio because football always sounds a bit more exciting on the radio. But by the time I got home, England were more in the game and I thought his handling was very good. I thought his distribution was really good. Um, I'm not 100% sure about that little charge out of goal <laughs> that he did, but it worked. And, you know, if he put some, uh, a few little nerves on the uh the backs of his defenders or whatever it is. I think there's sort of an assurance to his distribution or the way he uses the ball with his feet um, that maybe is developing. We're seeing develop in real time, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I I was pleased for him, you know, because he's had a, he's had a sort of mixed period at Arsenal, you know, some trickier moments, but then overall his record is pretty good in terms of the clean sheets. He missed some big games, obviously, 
you know, he spoke about how gutted he was to not play in Eindhoven, um, picking up an injury just before that one and mm. missed the Carabao game as well, um, where Carl Hein played. But, you know, he, he secured that number one spot in the US team and playing against England, I mean, that's the biggest game of his career to date. And so to keep a clean sheet is pretty significant. There was some good stuff coming out of the the US players as well after the game. Um you know, Tim Ream said that Turner uh, gave us all a heart attack. And Tyler <laughs> Adams said, he scared me a couple of times, man. I don't want to see him playing out the back like that. I know he plays for Arsenal, but come on. Um, <laughs> and I think it was all with a, a smile. Uh, in seriousness, I do think the US have reaped some of the benefits of Turner coming to Arsenal. I mean, he's spent, you know, six months or whatever it's been mm. training in playing it out from the back. And I think... Uh, that will have helped him a lot. And it's an area of his game that needed to be developed. It seems like it's headed in that direction. So I was really pleased with him. Actually, sort of Arsenal goalkeepers has been kind of a theme of the last few days. I was also delighted for Boychek Chesney, who yeah. had the kind of moment, I guess, a goalkeeper dreams about, you know? I mean, if you think about his career, almost whatever he achieves at club level in Poland... That double save he made from the Saudi Arabia penalty will probably be his iconic, defining international contribution. And, um, you know, when you go to a World Cup, I think you're hoping for a moment like that. And he absolutely had one. It was a brilliant, brilliant set of saves. Yeah, sure was. Um, there's been quite a few Arsenal goalkeepers at this tournament, uh, aren't there? You know, with Emmy uh, Martinez uh, for Argentina in there yeah. as well. Does someone say there's five goalkeepers? Or five ex-Arsenal goalkeepers. Really? There's certainly a few around. Um, anyway. I'm still not getting a kick, of course, for England. But... What a disgrace. <laughs> I know. Never mind Phil Foden. Ben White and Aaron Ramsdale are sitting there, unused so far. Completely. It's... Hashtag Southgate out. I don't think, you know, I don't think it would take much to get that going. Um, no, I'm sure you know, <laughs> a bad result in the final group game uh, would do that. I mean, it is one of those groups where, you know, a lot can happen. Wales um, are facing... It's um, Wales... Who are fucking Wales playing? England. Yeah. Yeah. See, my brain is gone. My brain is... Wales need a result, having uh, suffered a a, a disappointing result themselves against Iran. Um, Wayne Hennessy uh, with... (laughs) The Schumacher moment of the World Cup. Yeah, I mean... Absolute madness, and then losing two goals in stoppage time. It does feel a little bit, uh, and I'm sure we have Welsh listeners, but I, it does feel a bit like this Wales international team has kind of run out of steam. You know, um, mm. feels like Bale and Ramsey are at the end of their cycle, shall we say? And the fact that they almost don't really play club football anymore has perhaps begun to caught up catch up with them. Yeah, I mean, Ramsey is what, 31? Is he 32? And maybe he's older than that. He's, uh, let me see. I think, I think physically, you know, he's had so many problems yeah. over he's... the course of his career. Maybe a lot of which have stemmed, of course, from that terrible injury he's sustained. Um, that I think we can probably put a few years on that. Yeah, you know? I mean, he's 32 in December. Bale is 33 at this point. So... Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I always loved Aaron Ramsey as a player. And when I think he was really at his best, what 
set him apart was the ability to combine that incredible engine he had with a sort of technical level that maybe he didn't get enough credit for when he was at the top of his game. And everyone goes, oh, the Ramsey flick, that's kind of annoying. But, you know, a lot of times that worked. And when it worked in combination with the ability to be like almost a complete box-to-box midfielder with goals... I mean, it was really, it was really something. So to see this version of Aaron Ramsey in the tournament, it is a bit sad, isn't it? You know, every player comes to the end of their career, uh, even if some of them can't admit it to themselves. Time catches up with you and your legs, and there is an impact on the way you can play the game. But I think he's, you know, he's willing, but uh, it's going to have to be a hell of an effort against England, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, and you know, you'd make England clear favourites there. Um, so, yeah, we shall see. I, I do think on the sort of Southgate out thing, and speaking about the end of cycles, I think there's a pretty good argument that Southgate is sort of approaching the end of his. I think you, you mm. know, his, his achievements in terms of his progression through tournaments with this England team, I think are actually really impressive. You know, England haven't historically reached many semi-finals and finals, and he has turned them into a team who have done that. Um, but I think that it does feel as if maybe the, there is an appetite for a, a new approach sure. uh, with the national team. And I do wonder if we might get that at the end of this tournament, kind of regardless of the, the performance. Uh, the, the Gabriels got on for a bit, uh, for Brazil against, um, yes, they did Serbia. Good 2 0 win. Trying not to talk about that game, really, because of all the praise of Richarlison, you know, mm. sort of upsetting. It is um, upsetting. I was, you know, it's this is one of those things where you go, that's a good goal, but I don't want to like it because it's Richarlison. And then you yeah. find out, I saw Tim Stillman tweeting the other day that, like, in in sort of life, real life, Richarlison is a stand up guy. You know, one yeah, of the, one of mean, the good you know, ones. He, it's like, oh, come on! How do I, how do I square that with this, with his face? That's so annoying. How do I do? Yeah, that? like he was so. very unlike a lot of his teammates. He was a very public opponent of uh, Bolsonaro. Mm. Um, I think he was very did a lot of work around, uh, you know, COVID vaccine and sort of you know preventing misinformation. Um, you know, big contributors to charitable causes. I don't want to hear this stuff, Tim Stillman. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Stop messing with my ability to hate Richarlison. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, it was a brilliant goal. And, you Very know, good finish, yeah. It's what you want to see from a Brazil team in this World Cup, but just a really great moment like that. What about Olivier yeah. Giroud equaling about him? Thierry Henry's record? I've just seen a quote here from... Get French football news. Arsene Wenger on Olivier Giroud. We must kneel before the career that he has had. Absolutely nothing was given to him. Kneel before Giroud. <laughs> That's, I'm playing God of War. Have you? Uh, has that come across? God of War. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I can, I can pick up on that. Kneel before Giroud. Um. I tried to play the. I, I bought the because I've seen all the excitement about God of War. I mm. went back and bought the the first one, previous one, yeah. And I played it, and I was really enjoying it. But I'm, as you know, I'm sort of chronically dizzy, and it made me really, really dizzy. So I had to stop playing. Yeah, there's a lot of whacking shit and swinging things, and Lo- yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of spinning round, turning round very fast. Yeah, 
And let me tell you, that messed with my broken brain a lot. <laughs> no. um, it was as bad as going on another boat. So Olivier Giroud, mm. yeah, I mean, extraordinary. He's 36 years old and still performing at the very highest level. He's obviously got a break in this tournament with Karim Benzema getting injured, which mm. from what we hear from France, uh, some sections of the squad weren't exactly despondent about. Oh, really? Um, well, there's bits and pieces that have been reported around that. You know, his his reintroduction to the squad was relatively controversial because he was on the outside for a long time. That's right, yeah, um, yeah. I don't think everyone was delighted to see him back. Um but obviously he missed out through injury and Giroud has stepped into the breach. Yeah, I mean, a great moment. He was a bit, I think, disappointed. He looked disappointed to come off uh, against Denmark without having broken mm. the record. But he's got a fantastic chance doing it. It'd be, the, it'd be the most Olivier Giroud thing of all time to have equaled the record and just never score again for France. Yeah, but it's interesting, <laughs> you know. I mean, I was thinking about Ramsey and he left Arsenal... You know, seemingly, uh, maybe not at the peak of his powers, but you know, at the time he left Arsenal, it was a loss to Arsenal. He was an important key player, and mm. I think the expectation was that he would go on and do very well elsewhere. Um, and obviously, it hasn't quite transpired like that for him. And Giroud left Arsenal because he was supplanted effectively by Pierre Aubameyang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, as kind of. I didn't have gone from strength to strength is quite right, but had a really, maybe it is, you know, I mean, he's had a really outstanding kind of twilight to his career, hasn't he? He has. I mean, he, yeah, he obviously won a trophy with Chelsea against us, which was painful. Yeah. But is he, you know, he's won. Serie A champion as well. Yeah. Um, um, Leveled Henri's France record. Beard, I mean, beard of the year he won, um, beating yeah, off beard, Andrew yeah. Allen uh, to that uh, Trophy, so exactly, Mister Universe uh, twenty twenty one or whatever it was. He, <laughs> he, I mean, I hope he enjoys holding the record because I think the way Mbappe's going, he could hold that record for another few weeks potentially. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I noticed that Mbappe is now past Jean Pierre Papin in the France goal scoring charts, and right. is now I think level with Zinedine Zidane. Okay, um, and he's twenty three. So mm, yeah, chances are, chances are. <laughs> I've got a hunch he might he might eventually take that record for himself. Um, right. So, I mean, is there anything else we need to discuss in this part one, or should we sort of put a halt to this one, regroup, see if I can get my brain in order, and come back and do a load of questions in part two? Yeah, let's do it. I feel like we've done the World Cup, um, so let's come back with people's questions, and we've had some. Some good ones for this 500th edition. We have. All right. Your questions and more in part two right after this.
everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter, at GunnarBlog, and at Arsblog, and also on the Arsblog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. James, mm. would you like to go first? Oh, okay. Yes. This is a hard one. Okay. And it's from Hazza, who's at HarryHoudini94 on Twitter. And Hazza says, goodly Sunday, gents. What is your most memorable Arscast Extra episode? See, this is the most difficult question anyone could ask me because they fade away into mm. the back of my consciousness fairly, fairly quickly. So I'm sure I've said this before. People will say, oh, I love that bit in that episode or this bit in that episode. And I'm like, did, did we say that? I can't remember. So I find it really quite difficult to to think about individual episodes. And I suppose the ones that probably stand out the most are the live ones because they're different, you know? Right, yeah. Where we're sort of there. So what was the question again? What's my most memorable episode? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, look, I think the one in New York where people kept feeding us shots of things and by the end of it, we were probably half cut, um, was yeah. one. In terms of a moment, I, I don't know that much will surpass the 45-minute discussion that we had on stage with Amy Lawrence and Philippe Clare at Union Chapel discussing Mikel Arteta's imminent appointment as the Arsenal manager only for... David Ornstein to drop an Orn bomb at halftime yeah. and tell us that Unai Emery was going to become manager. That was mad. I had bought a, a Mikel Arteta <laughs> wig that I was going to wear in the second half of the podcast, and which never got used. I wonder where that is. I should dig that out now. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, you've got a fair wig game going on at the moment. Due that's to all your true, but I haven't stuff. got a Mikel Arteta one. Um, yes, that, that was a, a very good one. We had a couple of suggestions. Neil Siglechner said, um, probably my favourite Ask Us Extra Memory is at the end of the post-Brighton home game episode in Emery's only full season, where Andrew had been on Cameo and paid Gil Gilbert Godfrey to record a message for James. <laughs> Genuinely hilarious, just what was needed after that shit show of a game. Yeah. Um, there was other ones as well that people have mentioned. Um, I think somebody wanted to hear the... Um, the Tim Sherwood bit from the post FA Cup final one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tim Sherwood in the dressing room. Tim Sherwood in the dressing room. Yeah. 
um, which I will put a link to in the show notes because it's on, I think it's on SoundCloud. So I'll find that and put a link to that in, in the show notes. What was the other thing I was going to put a link to in the show notes? Can you remember from part one? I know I said the it. one where I interview you. Oh, yes. I'll write that down again. Interview. Um, and show in, in, uh, I think the live ones are probably the most memorable. New York was surreal because it was in New York and, you know, there were so many people who turned up and also we were drunk. <laughs> um, uh, there've been some good kind of final day podcasts as well. The one where Spurs got battered at Newcastle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one after that was just really good fun because it was kind of hilarious what had happened. Um, and in recent memory, I think the the Burned Leno doesn't matter um, discussion after the Man City <laughs> thrashing last season. Still, uh, people bring that up quite a lot. You'll have to remind me what exactly that was. I don't really remember, but I think essentially we were talking about, it was Man City 5, Arsenal nil, the third league game of last season, and things were felt what felt like a real um, nadir. And I believe we were analysing Bernd Leno. And then I sort of just absolutely... Uh, flipped my lid and said like no Bern Leno doesn't matter you know that we had a sort of bigger uh, yeah, I we... can't even really remember what it was but it, I think it was significant because I sort of think as a fan base at that point in time we had just got into such a negative mm. um, and with some justification sure. such a negative perception of uh, how things were it was almost like you know footballistically we were sort of seeing seeing things through a almost a haze of uh, depression. Yeah. And where we are now, it's very, very, very different. And I, and, and in some respects, because of what followed on the pitch, I will always remember that as sort of a, a turning point. But there have been so many. There have. There been, and it's been, you know, um, it's just trying to remember them all. You know, that's the thing. I think you remember stuff much more as a listener than the actual uh broadcaster or a podcaster or whatever it is because you know i know from my own perspective podcasts that i listen to you know i remember memorable episodes whereas i'm sure if you said it to you know the hosts of those podcasts they'd be like oh yeah oh yeah you like that one okay we'll see i just have this image of you now with um with a tattoo on each arm one that says burned leno doesn't matter yeah and the other one just says it's only three games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put those on a mug. Yeah, it's um, like that, like that scene in um, Cape Fear, where Robert De Niro's doing the, you know, the the weights in the prison, and they, you yeah. know, flexes on his tattoos. Burned Leno doesn't matter. It's only three <laughs> games. <laughs> well, listen, that listen. <laughs> yeah. Arguably, on both those things, I was right. <laughs> I think you were, but. Um, yeah, there've been so many. It's, it's, they do. It, it, the thing is, with the typical podcast, like a lot of podcasts, are like interview formats, aren't they? So you'd be like, oh, I like mm. the one you did with, you know, Mark yeah. Maron, or I like the one you did with so and so, or Stormzy, whoever it might be. Whereas with us, it's always just us just talking. So yeah. it's kind of natural they blur together. Yeah. But nice to reflect on uh, some of the fond memories. I'm sure you've all got your own. Sure. Uh, here's one from Mary Had a Little Ramsdale, who said, Goodly 500th episode. Uh, massive congratulations on reaching the milestone. Like most listeners, I start every episode hoping to hear my question answered, and it happened for the first time on episode 499. 
And now he's getting another one on 500. Wow. But he said, how do you each choose questions to read? Do you decide on topics you want to discuss and select questions on that topic? Do certain types of questions appeal to you? Or do you just pick the first 10 you see and hope a few of them are vaguely interesting and not slanderous? No, not the latter. Um, I do think about it quite a lot. And quite often we pick the same questions. You know, I, I go into the pod with like, I don't know, six to 10 questions that I've pre-selected and thought well, they'd be good discussion points. Mm. But then often you'll ask me, and we've not we've not talked about it between us. us and no, we never often, do actually, yeah. No, and often you'll ask me one and I'll be like, oh, I had that one lined yeah. up. And I guess what makes a good question for the show is, is it something which is a talking point that we feel obligated to cover because it's a big discussion point in that at that period of time, you know, for the Arsenal fans. So, you know, I don't know if a player's form has dipped and someone asks a question about that player, we might be like, well, there's a good opportunity to, yeah. to talk about them. But then sometimes you get a question that just makes you laugh or is unique or something you've not considered before. Um, there's no magic formula. No, I don't think so. It's, I, I usually pick up, uh, quite a few more than that. I'll have maybe 15 to 20 questions open. Um, so de it depends as well, you know, what happens in the first half of the show, because sometimes the questions are yeah. related to the game or whatever it might be. So there could be a load of questions about a particular topic, but it comes up naturally in the conversation about the game or, you know, the, our analysis of the game or what have you. And then those questions become kind of redundant because we've covered them. But like you say, it's just trying to think of things that are maybe um, a little bit different or discussion points that um, that we could get a good conversation out of, you know, not yeah. the what is our best, best 11. 11. That's what is our best 11 is, yeah. I mean, and there are certain times of year where what position should Arsenal target in the transfer next transfer window will, you know, get a bit of traction. Mm. It might get you on the show, but, you know, we can't do that every week. Um, mm. But by and large, I mean, I, I do know that certain people seem to get questions on fairly regularly, and that's complete, like, I'm never selecting someone because I recognise the name. It's all on the quality of the question. So I guess some people just have a knack of asking the right questions, you know? Yeah. One day we'll find out that you're, you know, taking bungs. I know, right? FIFA there. style. <laughs> I can be bought. James Infantino. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that does happen a bit. And I sometimes feel like, you know, occasionally if I see a name that I know has been on the show quite a bit or quite often, I will um, try and find somebody else who's got a question that's similar to that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, just to, to sort of spread it around, spread around, get as many people involved. Let me ask you this one. This is, I thought was quite an interesting question. Why is Marklar said, do you consider yourselves a more serious outfit these days compared to when you started? And in what ways do you feel the show has developed over the years? What do you have to consider when recording that you didn't have to take into account for episode one? Ooh, that is a good question. It is, yeah. Um, I think, I don't know if it's more serious. I think that it's a little bit more, I, th I guess I would say I think we try to be a bit more responsible, maybe. I think than so. we might have been. 
Yeah, uh, probably. I, I think as something like this grows, you have to take into account the size of the audience. And I'm not saying that um, we are in any way, what's that fucking wanky word, influencers or anything like that. I'm definitely not saying that. But I think when you do have an audience... I am an pe- influence. Andrew's not, but I am an influencer, guys. See, he's okay. an influencer. And Send he's me taking free bog- stuff. Oh, Send me free God. stuff. Send James free stuff in brown envelopes by the sounds of it. But I think you do have to sort of be aware that if you do have a big audience or a big platform, there is a certain measure of responsibility in terms of not necessarily what you say, but how you say certain things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we're more serious? Mm. I think that... uh... I think the nature of football discourse has probably changed a little bit over that period of time. Mm -hmm. Like I think there's been a movement towards a more analytical way of dissecting the game. And I think that we have been carried with that movement slightly, but I don't think that, well, I'd like to think we haven't lost um, our sense of humour and our no. sense of perspective about the game. No. Right, look, we've been through good times and bad times, and some of the bad times are pretty bad and pretty you know, hard for all of us to go through as fans. So um, you have to try and keep that perspective too, that you could step away from it. It is only a game as, as much as we love it, as much as we love the club and we want everyone to do well. You have to, I think for the sake of your own head, be aware that this is something that's out of your control as well. You know, that is ultimately what it is. It's not in your control to do anything about it. You can only you can only um, control how you react to it, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, so. I think so. And, and just on that point of responsibility, like I think when we probably started this 2014, I wouldn't really have thought uh, about the consequences of anything I said a great deal, you know, and I mean that from a kind of um, a legal perspective as much as anything else. You know, this is a broadcast medium and Mm. we have to be, we have to play by the same rules as everyone else, which is kind of something that was, uh, was only really being formed up, you know, those kind like where, where podcasts as a medium sort of sat in that. Um, But now things we say get, written down and mm. turned into news stories on websites. It all has a greater sense of consequence than it once did. So yeah, I think we just have to be a bit more um, responsible is the word, I think. Yeah, and it is. You're right. You know, the the, the reach it takes you to strange places at times. Um, yeah. I found a, like a, a, Jap- a Japanese YouTube channel. We'd had a discussion about Tommy Asu. Yeah. And it was taken by a Japanese YouTube channel and um, they put subtitles and everything on it. They played the audio and put subtitles on it. Um, you know, and we were just discussing either Tommy Asu as a player or his injuries or whatever it might be. You know, it was a three or four minute discussion about Tommy Asu, mm-hmm. but it ends up, you know, reaching a whole audience you never would have considered. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, genuinely every week, uh, msn.com, uh, publish a a news item which will be some extrapolation on something i've said in this podcast really like yeah like if i just search like msn.com 
They will still do it. This is from the 1st of September. They will still do it. McNicholas drops exciting Arsenal transfer claim pending condition. <laughs> Journalist James McNicholas has claimed that Arsenal will make a signing before the end of the transfer window, but only if a quality player is available. And then it will be like a quote from the podcast where I'd be like, yeah, no, maybe. I think they will. Or they might yeah, if they yeah, can yeah. get somebody. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of mad. Things what we say here gets written down now, but I, I think um, I think the thing as well is that like when things were bad, there was almost a, a necessity to talk about stupid stuff that wasn't the football because mm. we were so tired of talking about the football, <laughs> and like especially when it got to the latter period of Arsene Wenger's reign, thematically we'd kind of covered. Everything. All the ground. It was real Groundhog Day mm. vibes by the end. It was. It um. was. But look, we're still here, just about. And uh, yeah, look, I mean, football changes and clubs change and players change. And um, I've said this before on here. I think the 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 need to enjoy what's happening now is is really high for all of us. You know. To, to give yourself the ability to just enjoy what's happening on the pitch because a lot of what's happened on the pitch in the last few years has just not been much fun at all. And it's now fun and we don't quite know where it's going to take us. We all have hopes and everything else. But I think, I think genuinely, I think something in the, the Emery period broke in my brain mm. a little bit to the point where... I want to get more invested in the good stuff, you know? Right. Yeah, I yeah, want yeah. just to enjoy football and Arsenal. And I know it's out of my hands. As I said, there are going to be times where, you know, I find uh, a game frustrating or a decision frustrating or a performance frustrating or whatever it might be. But I do think I'm more willing to just sort of go along with the good things as and when they happen, assuming that you can find the good in what's going on. I think we can now, but for some people it might've taken a little while to get there. So, um, yeah. Does that answer that question? I think I it think probably it kind does. Of does. I think it kind of does, but it's an interesting one. I mean, I, yeah, you know, I, I also have like a, a, a real job job now, mm. which means that I guess I have to be responsible to that employer too, in what I say. So it's, it's, a. Uh, it's a mixed bag, that one. But um, what about this? This is about a different type of content, not content that we make, right? Okay. And this is from Bups on Twitter, who's at Bups. And they say, Morning, gents. The All or Nothing documentary has made me crave for more behind-the-scenes content, mm. especially with how the team is performing this year. What are your thoughts on the club making their own version of the documentary and releasing an episode every couple of months? Mm. Uh, you know what? I kind of like the curtain a little bit. Right. I kind of like the curtain because, look, I enjoyed All or Nothing, but at the end of the day, it was a, it was a piece of entertainment, a product that we were given. I don't know that all of what we saw was natural um 
I mean, if it was real, genuine, fly-on-the-wall stuff, no holds barred, um, unsanitized, all that kind of stuff, yeah, give me that. But don't give me the kind of, the nice version, you know? Um, but I think by by their nature, even if this is not necessarily true of all sports, I think there there needs to be a little bit of, secrecy is not quite the right word, is it? But privacy or or like a manager and a coach and the players, they need the space to work themselves without mm. worrying about cameras, without worrying about how someone's going to react to, look, we know how people react to matches, right? Things that happen in football matches. People react in all kinds of ways from one extreme to the other. I just think if you opened it up to the training grounds, the the gym, you know, people would just, they would react to those things as well. And I don't know that they would be, I don't think it would be healthy for anyone. I don't think we would get what we really want from that. We as fans? Yeah. Mm, it's interesting. I mean, I think enough time has gone by now that I think it's fair to say that the all or nothing documentary um, was a success for Arsenal. I agree. Um, it, it, I say that in both in terms of like the numbers that it did, the, the money that it brought into the club, which they received from Amazon for doing it. But also, you know, if their goal was to kind of tell the story of, the people who work at the club and the rebuild that's been going on. Mm. I think they got that across actually. And and I noticed that I've noticed that in other media, you know, I've seen journalists um, who don't cover Arsenal week in, week out, referring to the documentary and mm. having a greater understanding of Mikel Arteta say, or Edu and, and what they're trying to do. I think as a communication tool and, and I think creating sort of buy-in from the supporters as well. And, further investment emotionally in this team. I think it absolutely did the trick. And although certain elements of it were, you know, held up for mockery, like the speakers for before the Anfield gameplay, you'll never walk alone. Mm. I think at the end of the day, that's sort of just online banter. But like, I think, you know, Vinay and the other executives at Arsenal will sit back and think, okay, we that paid off that gamble of doing that show. Um, and it has occurred to me since that Arsenal could continue to do it themselves. Presumably they're not prohibited by any kind of contractual thing with Amazon to mm. not just turn around and do it. I mean, you know, they, they made a very good documentary about life in and around the Academy and Hale End. Yeah, 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 um, that was good. Which showed they have the technical and production capacity to make a show like that of course they have the access um so then the question is yeah is it a good idea and I, I think i tend to sort of side with you on this that it's something that it's lovely to have a peek behind the curtain but that i don't feel like it's any anyone's interest for that cur curtain to be permanently withdrawn yeah um i certainly think you know, to the question said releasing an episode every couple of months. I don't think that is ever going to be viable. They didn't do that with Amazon. And I think during the heat of a season with emotions being as volatile as they are, mm. that's just too risky 
you know, to put stuff out. Um, but if Arsenal compiled some sort of, and, and I never think it's going to be a warts and all thing, but if they, at the end of every season, were able to put out, you know, a little hour-long behind-the-scenes doc that featured loads of footage that we'd never seen before, I'm sure that would do extraordinarily well. And I'd be very surprised if they weren't thinking about how they can do that in some way. But yeah. in terms of revealing more of the day-to-day workings of the club, I think there are probably a lot of people who are quite relieved those cameras aren't there all the time anymore. Mm. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Just it can't be fun. Yeah. You know, like think about your own workplace, and it is a workplace for them. Think about your own workplace. If, you know, if I was sitting here knowing there was like a camera above me broadcasting everything I did in this office back to Amazon HQ to end up on a documentary, I think I'd just sit staring at the screen and wouldn't, you know, if it was that. Yeah. It just, it must have an impact. So, and um, and I think um, I, I completely get it that it's hard once you've had that level of access as a fan or seen things that you're not used to seeing. It's hard to sort of go back. You know, we'd love to be, to see inside the dressing room after, you know, the win at Stamford Bridge yeah. this season. We'd love that. But actually, I think last season, we may come to view last season as a very significant one to document um, yeah, because so. of everything that went on, you know? Maybe so. Um, let's do a couple of quick football-y ones before we do some more um, less uh, football-y ones. Here's mm-hmm. one uh, from Ebert, Ebert, Ebright, E-A-Bright on the Discord. He says, a bit early for transfer window questions, going to ask anyway. This obviously is going to end up on msn.com, uh, yeah. uh, whatever answer you give here. Keyboards at the ready, MSN, here we go. Here we Stop go. transcribing. Do you think being at the top of the table will make it more difficult to buy players in January as selling clubs will feel that we're desperate to make that one signing that will help us win the league? I've now got a car alarm going on outside. So um, What a fucking, what a day. 500th episode, absolutely seamless. Um, it stopped, thank God. Just need a lorry back now to reverse. <laughs> <laughs> it is the lorry. The lorry's come back for a, a, a last carrier. Um, uh, sad times. MSN. Arsenal to sign lorry, says McNicholas. I know, I know. Right. Sad about the lorry, but then... I did break up with the girlfriend I was living with at that time and she got to keep the lorry, you know, that was the deal. You got the leaf blower. So <laughs> it all worked out in the end. Um, so uh, I think it's more helpful to Arsenal to be top than it's unhelpful at this point in the transfer market. Like, I think it makes us a more attractive proposition um, to the player's that we want to sign. And I think that's a bigger win Mm. than our apparent desperation uh, is a loss. If you see what I mean, you know, I I think if we were sixth and trying to buy players, the same thing might apply, you know, Mm -hmm. if we were eighth and people say they need players, you know, arguably we're in a, a, a good negotiating position because we are top and, you know, we don't look, um, desperate, but I think, I think it that yeah the, the 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 overriding point is it's a great time to come and play for Arsenal and will it mean that we get charged a few quid extra 
possibly, but I'm not sure that that's going to be a big factor. What do you think? I mean, I think it might be a factor if we're trying to buy from a rival, which I don't think we will. I don't think Man City are going to sell us any more players. I think they've probably learned their lesson there. Um, So I don't really see it being an issue. And I would imagine the players that Arsenal are targeting this January uh, are probably players from abroad. And that's not a consideration for them. But in general terms, I would agree with you that it's better for us to be top of the table because we're an attractive destination. And, Mm. you know, players want to join successful football clubs and win things. So if it looks like we're capable of doing that, I think it does us uh, plenty of good when it comes to the transfer window. Um, Where's the other football one I was going to ask? Yeah, a bit more back to the World Cup from Jack Abella. I was wondering why I couldn't see um, names properly. And I realized I don't have my glasses on. I had to go get my eyes tested yesterday. I've yeah n- another two point uh, two five degradation. So see, I'm at the point where my eyes are getting better. What? Be- yeah. What because- the fuck are you, Benjamin Button? <laughs> well, because uh, I was so short sighted as a child. Yeah. Um, but as you get older, you become slightly long sighted, right? Like people who've had twenty twenty vision begin to need reading glasses. Yeah. So my sight is sort of regressing back to zero. So my last two prescriptions in the last four years have both been fractional uh, improvements. That's mental. Yeah. I didn't know it worked like that. Like my long vision is really good. I can see, you know, for miles, I can read things halfway down the road, but put a page in front of me. I'm like, I can't fucking see that. Yeah. So it's like I I started short-sighted on the spectrum and I'm coming back to zero effectively. I mean, I'll never get there because I'm – right you know, almost blind, but, um, you know, still nice little feeling when they go, oh, it's like slightly better than it was. <laughs> okay. Um, I anyway, that was a thing. Anyway, um, Jack Abella, who's that Jack G Abella, uh, on Twitter said, do you think there's a possibility of Ben White and Aaron Ramsdale losing confidence if they don't make an appearance during this world cup? Or do you think it's ideal that they're in constant training, but being rested and will come back raring to go? Well, I think, in Aaron Ramsdale's case, he will have been well aware that he was going to the World Cup with Jordan Pickford as the number one. Mm. I think his only chance of any game time would have been had England won their first two group games and maybe rotation and resting players would have allowed him uh, some game time in that sure. World Cup. But I think he goes in knowing he's probably not going to play. I think the Ben White one's slightly more difficult because I think he had a very good chance of being selected um, for that opening match had Southgate gone with a different formation. Mm. Um, And now it looks like he might not even get a kick. Um, I think that will be really disappointing. I think as an outfield player, you always think you've got a better chance. Um, Although I I don't see it hugely diminishing his confidence. Um, I, you know, he's a very confident guy and I think he'll come back to Arsenal, you know, as as focused as ever. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right about Ramsdale. I'd imagine he'd be disappointed though. I think that's probably, you know, from the England pl- uh, players' perspective, I bet they were, you know, guys like Ramsdale, like Ben White, were hoping that they would beat the USA Yeah, because 
then you're sort of qualified and Gareth Southgate could make some changes and they could get a game at a World Cup. It would be really disappointing as as um, objective as you want to be if you go to a World Cup and don't play at all. That's got to be disappointing. I don't think it's the sort of thing that will, you know, see them come back to, to London and just sort of mope around listening to Leonard Cohen records and, and losing every bit of spark that they have. But it would be disappointing all the same, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, Ramsdale did a press conference and he was asked about this and he kind of said, you know, they were like, this was before the first game and they were like, you know, obviously, do you think Pitt would be named as number one? And He sort of said, I'll be really disappointed if he is. And mm. it's, it's quite rare to hear a player be honest about that you know he knows he's not number one but even so when that team sheet goes up and you're not on it mm. like you are going to feel something but I don't know I think it might be a stretch to say they'd feel it in a way that would impact their arsenal fall yeah um I, I had a question here about FIFA which is uh, a more serious one and apologies if you've covered it in another show and I've not heard it but Speckled Jim said I've read and heard a lot of very erudite criticism of FIFA by Arsenal fans, including your good selves, chapeau. But so far, Arsene and his role with FIFA has largely escaped unscathed. Does his association with them make you a bit uncomfortable? Not uncomfortable, per se, just a bit like... Uh, but then... Yeah. I guess it's sort of how you view what he does at FIFA and what role he has at FIFA and whether you think that role is, you know, of benefit. Um, and I guess he would probably say that the work he is doing there is for the good of the game, but I don't know enough about what he does and how he does it to make a, a judgment on that in a definitive way. But in the same way as like, like Olivier Giroud was a player I always liked. And sort of seeing Olivier Giroud at Chelsea, it's like, ah, oh, I don't like that. And it's kind of the same with Arsene. Because I really do not like FIFA. I don't like FIFA as an organization. I think there, there are all kinds of reasons to have concerns and issues with what they do. So guilty by association seems a little bit harsh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I don't, it doesn't really change anything about what I thought he did for us. Um, but yeah, I'd rather he was, you know, doing something else. Hammock salesman, perhaps. Yeah. But I guess, you know, if we assume that FIFA are going to continue to be a force within world football, mm. then surely it's better to have people we think do have the interests of the game at heart in prominent positions there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, Arsenal's, you know, he's not been hugely prominent in the World Cup, with the exception of asking us all to kneel down in front of Olivier Giroud, which I don't think he'll be short of... Uh, kneel before Giroud, boy. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I think um, it's not like he's uh, front and centre for FIFA. Mm. I think his role predominantly is sort of focused on football development, right? So it's making sure that nations, countries, football associations across the world have opportunity to develop players develop coaching mm. build an infrastructure um and he's, his 
his stated goal is, you know, to try and make football more uh, egalitarian. You know? um, but I mean, he also wants a, uh, was behind the two-year World Cup thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So absolutely, that's surprising. And, yeah, and I think, um, I think we have to accept. I suppose that like his goals at FIFA may be at odds with our wishes as Arsenal fans. I, I the short answer is I do feel a bit uncomfortable with it, but I think generally, I do I do believe he has the best interest of the game at heart, even if I don't agree with sure. his way of going about it. All right. That's enough seriousness. Let's be less serious and do a okay. few uh, different ones like this. Senor Dio, who's at Dio Konyezhny. Konyezhny? Dio Konyezhny. I think it's like almost like Chesney. I don't know. He said, goodly 500th episode, gents. What do you prefer, Wenger on a beach or Edu behind the barbecue? <laughs> um, I don't see why we have to choose between. Can't we have no. reclining in the sand? While Edu turns steaks on the grill, I guess we could. But like Wouldn't as an that iconic be the perfect image, summer's afternoon. As an iconic image, I think Wenger on the beach is just a classic. I'm not saying yeah. I don't like Edu behind the barbecue, of course I do. But I think Wenger on the beach is kind of um, is kind of a, an iconic image. So that with the limitless Photoshop opportunities for sure. Um, feel free to chip in if you've got any. But I did like this one from Sam Palman at Sam Pullman on Twitter. And this is sort of a question that we get quite a lot, right? Yeah. I don't even know that you have to answer this, but he said, for your 500th episode, a genie grants you one wish. Arsenal win the Premier League, but Saliba leaves. Arsenal finish fourth, but win the FA Cup. England three, England win the World Cup and Saka wins the Golden Boot, but City buy him for 200 million. Which do you pick? And I love these questions because they're always like, what, scenario would you prefer something nice happens but then scorpions are inserted into your anus yeah and you go blind because they've eaten their way through your optic nerve or two um arsenal get the champions league but everyone you know is massacred before your eyes by the god of war yeah they I had know. it coming <laughs> I know. Um they're always so extreme. It's never like, you know, this thing or that. It worries like me that they <laughs> they're thinking about this stuff. That's what worries me. It's like the sick fantasies. Yeah. Um just the ones where everything's nice. Arsenal win things and there are no scorpions or massacres. Please. <laughs> That's all, you know, the least the, the fewest massacres. Mm. Uh, will generally be my answer. All right. Um, I'm just trying to think. I do, I mean, have you got any more? Go on, because I've, I've sort of done a lot of mine now. Okay. See, this is the questions thing in action. Uh, I know now that you have 15 to 20 questions lined up. This, <laughs> we had one from Mark Settle, who's at Mark Blank Settle, who was asking about um, nerdy questions. What mics do you use? Are they portable for when you're elsewhere? What about treatment and acoustic foam? What recording gear? Did we go into that on the interview or... I think we did a bit. Maybe. I can't remember. So I've, I'm a bit sort of loath to talk about recording gear now because I'm pretty fucked off with what happened in my in my studio. But I, I use a Shure SM7B microphone. You have the Rode... Rode NT-USB. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
it's a bit of a workhorse, isn't it? Because it's been chugging along great guns for well, actually for a long time, for quite a long time. Yeah, and, and sound quality is obviously really good. Uh, my office, yeah, there's there's foam and stuff everywhere. I have acoustic equipment or acoustic um, portable equipment as well, which is usually a Zoom recorder, um, which I record, and we have handheld microphones when we're doing you know those you know those weird ones where I'm at a game and we do it early the next morning and we have to look at each other. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Don't like they're this weird. Um, being in the same room was doing uh, doing a podcast. That's so <laughs> odd. Um, and he was asking how we connect. I think we explained that earlier. We, we use Zencaster now. We were using IPDTL, but that uh, hasn't really worked for a while. Um, let me think. I did have another one here. Da, 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 da. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, Curtin Cobain, who's at Martin had a dream said, would you rather live through 500 days of summer, early to mid-30s every day, or 500 days of winter, five degrees Celsius and under every day? 500 in a row. Mm. Difficult, that, actually. No, it's me. not. No. Not for me. I know for some people it's just summer and there's no, there's no mm. question. 30 to 35. Yeah, it's got to be summer, I think. I yeah. think it's got to be summer. I, d- I don't mind winter, personally. I like the attire and I like uh, – I don't like being too hot, you see. So you like, you know, winter, you sort of layer up and – Yeah, being cosy. Yeah. Love that. I mean, I do like the romantic thing of like sitting in front of the fire, you know, nice log fire, whatever it is. Um, I do like that, but I much prefer warm weather. I don't like to be cold at all. Right. And I really don't like, at this point in my life, wearing layers and layers and having to put on scarves and hats and all that kind of stuff. I just prefer to get up in the morning and just put on a pair of shorts and a T-shirt and flip-flops or whatever. And just Fair chug dues. about the day, you know? So Fair it would dues. definitely be the the 500 days of summer for me. Okay. I mean, does that mean there'd be no football? No. They'd have to just play through the summer. They'd have to play. they get a drinks break, you know? <laughs> they get a drinks they break. they get a Problem drinks solved. break, just play. Um, Sollyball2 says, congratulations, Lee Morning. Fantastic milestone. Thank you very much. Have you ever considered a part three of the show? If so, what would it be? Wow. My mind is blown now. I didn't know you could have three parts. Um, what would it be? I guess it would be live. It would be like live contributions, wouldn't it? You know, football phone-in style. Now we take Steve. Steve's on the line. He's calling from Hemel Hempstead. Steve, what have you got to say? Exactly. That kind Steve of Steve comes on. He tells us we're wrong. We hang up on Steve. Yeah. We block his number. Fuck off, Steve. And we never do part three again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got that sorted. Uh, hey, listen to this. I've just on. seen on the replies. It's not a question, but Nisha Desai says, congrats on 500, gents. Love the pod. No question, but I work at Great Ormond Street Hospital Charity and want to say a huge thanks for donating the proceeds from the mugs. It means a lot to so many children and their families. Here's to another 500. Oh, so cool. That's cool. I haven't. I I didn't see that, but yeah, we're uh, we're going to make our donation in mid December, by the way. So that's when uh, the payout comes from the 
um, from the company that distribute and send the mugs. Right. Um, so mid-December, we'll have a total of what we're going to donate to Great Ormond Street Hospital and to Our Lady's Hospital for Sick Children here in Dublin. So thank you all for continuing to buy mugs and to drink out of the mugs and to send us pictures of the mugs. Um, it's all hugely appreciated. And, you know, every time you have your coffee or your hot chocolate or your your hot whiskey, whatever it might be, um, you know, you're, you've... You've helped a really good cause, particularly coming up to Christmas and and everything else. And actually, while I'm here, I know I said this the other day as well, but um, do check out on the website on arsblog.com, do check out the section for Arsbiz, which is just businesses owned by Arsenal fans, all kinds of services, uh, businesses, shops, yeah, people, artists, creators, all kinds of stuff. So if you're looking for something for Christmas, you could help fellow Gooner by getting it from them. So have a look at arsbiz.arsblog.com. I feel like I should give that more of a, a plug, uh, and I keep forgetting. So while we're in the middle of this, um, there it you go. It is cool. You go to arsblog.com, and then you go site stuff, and it's in the drop-down menu yeah. there, arsbiz. Yeah, it's good. And there's like hundreds of people on there fellow gooners you can help them out um and get good stuff as well you know so that's it um james yes we had quite a number of people suggesting that we needed some magpie facts yes do you think we should think we should oblige okay all right play the jingle here's the jingle Magpie facts, magpie facts, it's time for some magpie facts. Pointy beak, beady eyes, terrorizing from the skies. Look out, it's time for magpie facts. Magpie facts, magpie facts, feathers dark, hearts are black. What is their ultimate goal? It is to ensnare your soul. Watch out, it's time for magpie facts. Magpie facts. That is amazing. 500th uh, episode, a special jingle. It was staring us in our face the whole time. It's going to be in my brain all day. It really Good. is. Earworm. Uh, a magpie earworm. Well, listen, the magpies hath delivered. Um, I mean, people send me magpie facts all the time. This week, it's spiralled out of control. It's like they know... It's the 500th episode, and they're behaving accordingly. Did you but get was, the golf video? Did people send you the golf video? What have they been doing? The, the guy is trying to tee up his ball, and there's a magpie right there, and he just keeps poking the ball off the tee. I, I, a lot of people have sent that to me, um, so thank you to everybody for that. Yeah, I, I think I have seen that one. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Andrew. I'm inundated with the stuff, but I was struck particularly by one story which I read in the local newspaper, the Stoke Sentinel. Okay. Now, ordinarily, we would not deal with uh, goings-on in Stoke if we could at all avoid it. But it should be no surprise that magpies from Stoke are the greatest evil the <laughs> British Isles have ever known. I, I could hear you trying to decide which word to use there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the headline reads thus. Okay. Stoke on Trent invaded by vicious magpies attacking cats, rats, and squirrels. 
Wow. Subtitle, residents in Hearts Hill are concerned for the welfare of their pets. Right. Okay. It goes on. Right. Part... Parts of Stoke-on-Trent have been invaded by vicious magpies, which have been attacking pets and local wildlife. Families in one area of the city say they are fearful after the psychotic birds, <laughs> nick- nicknamed Magbo, started Magbo? pecking at their cats. Like Rambo. I don't know what the Magbo are. They're like a tribe of magpies who are particularly... Like in Lord of the Rings, you know, you've got the orcs, but then they've got the Urukai, who are like the super orcs. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what the Magbo are. Um, so there's video footage which reveals the black and white winged assailants. I love how many ways of describing magpies <laughs> they have to come up with. The black and white winged assailants cornering small creatures in the street before attacking them to kill. Wow. Um, now... Uh, a video clip of a magpie attacking a squirrel has now been seen on the same street where the birds were spotted fighting with a rat. The footage captured by Alina Copeland, 34, sure Alina's delighted that they've got that detail in, shows a dramatic brawl between a small grey squirrel and a magpie unfolding in her back garden. I'm I'm looking at it here. Yeah. Uh, It's extraordinary. Magpies... They've not just focused on humans now. All other animals are subject to their uh, terror. And now Alina says she, her 19-year-old cat, Christian, has also been targeted. Now that's not fair. He's 19. That's quite old for a cat. It's very old. I mean, I, I'd say he's in big trouble, Christian, if the magpies keep coming for him. So this is what she said. Now, she's a British Airways cabin crew member right is so this, is this relevant in any way or well she knows about aviation things that fly <laughs> so she, she says we started having issues with magpies all the time i work from home so i see all the fights going on hang on, People th- hang on. she she's works for british airways but she works from home she's a cabin crew member that works from home i, I mean, don't know that's... how she's doing that <laughs> She's doing the safety demonstration over Zoom. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, we haven't got... I mean, obviously, we're not getting in the plane with you. We're not stupid, but, you know, do be careful. Anyway, then she goes, um, people think magpies are these spiritual creatures who bring good omens. Who thinks that in their right mind? I don't know. But they don't hear. They are bullying the other creatures. They come and go so quickly and hide in the tree. But they have attacked various forms of nature, whether it's our cats, squirrels, or rats. Mm. Um, <laughs> Alina has lived in Hearts Hill all her life and said the problem has got worse in the last couple of years. She said the magpies are causing havoc on the street and her garden feels like living in an aviary. Wow. They are terrorizing the neighborhood. They attack in their twos. <laughs> and this is my favorite. <laughs> Maybe COVID has altered the way they behave. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure, Alina? Could it be the 5G? The 5G is inside the magpie's brain and is reprogramming them. Wow. Um, They are vicious and antagonize the other animals. She then says, I'm worried about my 19-year-old cat's life. I mean, I'd be worried about that anyway if he's 19. But he's very old. We have a kitten next door. I worry about the magpies attacking them. The attacks are on the forefront of my mind. So, I, so I'm going to be on the lookout for future ones. This is how she concludes. 
I think they are trying to kill the other creatures. They don't back down when they do attack. The magpies definitely have an agenda. <laughs> well, I mean, their, their reign of terror is increasing. There's no two ways about that. I like that she has borrowed a classic football terminology of an agenda there, you know. The yeah, magpies. Yeah, yeah. What is that agenda? Um, I mean, the agenda is is essentially to go to war with all creatures. The next God of War game is going to be God of War, Magnarok, as the magpies take yeah. on all the ancients or whatever it is. I mean, I guess the one consolation here is that at least this is happening in Stoke. If one <laughs> British city is to succumb to the magpies, to fall to them, yeah. let it be Stoke. Let it be Stoke. I think uh, that... That is a sentiment we can all get behind. Yeah, there you go. Well, look, that is 500 of these Arsecast extras done and dusted. We got there in the end. We Maybe it wasn't as end. terrible as um, as Arsene Wenger's 500th game. Maybe it wasn't quite as terrible as that. And is there any higher praise you can give yourself as a podcaster than saying it wasn't as bad as being beaten 6-1 by Chelsea? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, did we score? 6-1. Or was it 6-0? I think it was 6-0, man. Did we miss a penalty or am I... It was March 2014. I mean, to be fair, it was only a few months after the podcast actually began. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, oh, that was his thousandth game. I've had it wrong the whole time. Well, that... I apologise to everyone who's been screaming that at the podcast the whole time. They have been as well, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. What was Arsene Wenger's 500th game? Arsene uh... It was also against Chelsea and we lost. <laughs> it was now, was it? Oh, yeah. It was. Shit. <laughs> I just Googled it there. Yeah. We lost 1-0 to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. How annoying for Arsene Wenger that these milestone games came against Chelsea at well, Stamford Bridge. How bad's the thousandth Arscast Extra going to be? Uh, I shudder to think. <laughs> I shudder to think. The computers will explode. Magpies by then will rule Britain. We'll all be subjected to their rule. They'll be gigantic, huge, ostrich-sized magpies patrolling the streets with machine guns. And they'll probably have those, you know, terrifying dog drones. You know, those uh, dog soldiers. You see the videos of those that they drop them in. It's like a dog-shaped robot with a machine gun on its head. Well, they will have bent the dogs to their will. Yeah, no, no. After they've eliminated the cats and the squirrels, and they'll the make the dogs their slaves. And the air air cabin crew people as well. Oh. They, I mean, um, she's in for it now because she's told. She's, she's told on them. So. I'm just thinking about how many tweets and messages I'm going to get in the next few days of people going, it wasn't the fi that, uh, 500th game, it was the 1,000th. Yeah, a and lot. Then, I'll be like, listen to the end. I know I'm stupid, <laughs> but at least I realize it at the end. All right. I think we better leave it there. I might have to go and just get a beer and put this podcast together and get it out for everybody. Um, let's do it. Let's do that. Okay. James, as ever, thank you very much. Um, it's been a pleasure 
for all 500 episodes, um, but none more so than today. So uh, thank you all for listening. It's um, incredible, isn't it? 500, it's a lot of minutes. I, I, I always think about that Arsene Wenger quote where he's like, when I get to the gates of heaven, God will ask me, what did I do? And I'll say, I tried to win football matches. Yeah. I guess when we get there, they'll say, what did you do? And I say, we uh, talked about Arsene Wenger trying to win football matches. <laughs> That's not enough. You guys have got to you got to wait it out. Stay in the waiting room there. Yeah. Down you go. Did you do anything else? Anything of merit at all? Uh, mm. Not really. Not really. We, we made some mugs. <laughs> I made some silly jing. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Jingles. Yeah. Okay, oh, you're, you're in. Come on, silly jingles. Everyone loves silly jingles. Okay, you're in. You're All in. right. You're in. Okay, listen, everybody, thank you very much indeed for listening. Have a great Sunday. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye 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 b